This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Water Cooler Talk, the most famous podcast in Brad Pitt's collection of podcasts. Did you know that, Brian? I did know a lot about Brad Pitt's personal life, but I did not know that his favorite podcast was this podcast. Yeah, that's a lot of people often question if that's real, but it is. I mean, ask Brad yourself. I will text him as soon as we get out of here. (laughs) All right, guys, you are listening to Brian Grossman, actor, film lover, director. Welcome to the show, Brian. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here, Adam. If you guys are wondering what Brian is on today, he is on Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by me, guest hosted by Brian today, where we take the strangest and the most interesting news stories from across the world and we we have a little discussion about them. You guys can listen to this podcast on Spotify, on Podbean, and now announcing, give me a drum roll, Brian, give me a little... Google Play. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are on Google Play Podcasts. If you have an Android phone, you can listen to us there. But yeah, let's let's jump into it. Let's get the business part, the business aspect out of here. <laughs> let's get into some weird news stories, Brian. Are you ready? I am so ready. All right, Brian, before we start, I'm, I'm going to need two made-up names from you. So we have two characters in the story. We have a 70-year-old man who's wearing a hat and glasses, and we have a 72-year-old man in a Hawaiian shirt. So we need... Two names, one name for the 70-year-old man, one name for the 72-year-old man. Well, the 70-year-old man clearly needs to be named Herbert because that just seems like the most 70-year-old man wearing glasses. Do we have a last name for Herbert? Herbert. Johnson. Herbert Johnson. <laughs> Pretty basic, straight to the point. It goes, works. Goes, I think it works for a 70-year-old man. Well, he goes by glasses. Herb, actually. He too. goes by Herb. Ooh, yeah. I like it. He goes the, by Herb. The additional, how's it going, Herb? That is an old guy's name. Like It is a very old guy's name. Imagine just someone naming their baby Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> just just for just for that name to pay off 70 years from now. All right, Brian, so we need a name for the Hawaiian shirt-clad 72-year-old man. Tony Johnson. No, Tony no, Johnson. That's his brother. They're actually related. <laughs> uh, we'll go with Tony Scagnetti. Scagnetti. All Tony right. Scagnetti. Can you give me a little backstory on Tony Scagnetti? Well, Tony has been living the high life for most of his life. He's uh, retired now. Clearly, has spent some time in Hawaii, or at least envisions right. himself he, he, doing it's that. It's an actual Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> it is an actual Hawaiian shirt made straight from the islands. And Tony clearly is living his best life wherever he is. Hawaii is not too far away. He is a he's a bit of a distance away from Hawaii. Bit of a he's, he's he's in a Costco in South Carolina. <laughs> Free samples at Costco leads to fight between senior citizens. This is from CBC News, thirteen, Baltimore. Uh, Free samples briefly turned a Costco warehouse into a fight club. Have you seen the movie Fight Club? Of course. So obviously you have some background on this situation. But free samples briefly turned a Costco warehouse into a fight club for two senior citizens. Both men were standing in line waiting for a complimentary piece of cheese at a Greenville, South Carolina Costco when 72-year-old Tony Scargetti Scargnetti cut in front of Herbert Herb Johnson, who had been patiently waiting for his piece of cheese. Herb shrugged off the incident and proceeded to head towards another free sampling 
station, this time containing cheeseburger samples. So you, have you been to a Costco Sam's Club situation? You know the free, the free sample situation? It's been a while, but yes, I can definitely imagine this scenario. All right, well, Herb is waiting for his cheeseburger. He's, uh, he's letting that first situation go with Tony, and it happens again. And that's when angry words and a punch was thrown. After tossing around angry words, the cheeseburger stand worker confirmed that Hawaiian shirt Tony then smacked Herb, causing his hat and glasses to fly off. In response to police, Herb said that he felt the other man, Tony, was being overly aggressive and was about to throw a punch of his own. Now, Brian, I want I want to ask you for advice to give to Herb. Put your mind into Herb's mind. You're 70 years old, you're wearing a hat, wearing glasses, and you're standing in line at a Costco for cheese. And this guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt around the same age as you cuts in front of you. You're like, okay, all right, whatevs, it happens. Some people just, you know, maybe he didn't even realize he was cutting in front of me, but now you're standing in line for a cheeseburger and he does it again. Boom. You're in the situation. What's your reaction? Well, I don't know that I would jump to the immediate physical aggressive reaction of I'm waiting for a free sample and this is going to lead me to want to fight this person if they get in my way of that sample. I would probably in that scenario tap the guy on the shoulder and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that there is a line to do this. At the same time, again, we're talking about free samples of food at a Costco. Would it really bother me that much if this guy gets his sample of cheese before I do, before he gets his cheeseburger before I do? I definitely think it's rude of the gentleman, uh, Mr. Tony, to get in the way of someone. I'm not sure if he thinks he's in Hawaii or something and he can just do something like that. <laughs> that's just the that's just the rule in Hawaii. You can just jump in front. Whenever hey. there's cheese involved, you hey. can just jump in I mean, front. It's, a, it's a huge commodity. But I don't know if Tony, uh, I don't know what his business is, but personally, if it were me, I'd probably just let it go. I usually don't react to situations like that unless someone says something to me. If he were to jump in front of me in line and then turn around and say, wait your turn, something like that, I would probably be pretty irritated, but that would mostly not be because of the situation of I need to wait a little longer to get my cheese and be this person. It would be more about this person being rude directly to me. So if I was Herb, all right, and sometimes I kind of wish I was because, I mean, it sounds like he's had an interesting life. Sometimes you just want to wear a hat. You, you, you do wear glasses, so you I just do wear need glasses. the hat right. in about 50, 60 plus years. Well, plus my name is Brian, and that's just not really an old-timey name. There's something to be said for some of those names. I, I do hope that they names like Herbert do make appearances here and there in the next you know, 50 years. But I would just tell Herb to relax, let it go. Guy's not worth it. He's a, 70, yeah, he's a 72-year-old goof wearing a Hawaiian shirt, probably just a straight-up jerk. So I'd say, Herb, let's just get that cheese. Let's just get that cheeseburger. Get that cheese, and baby. Let's just, seize the cheese. Let's just seize that cheese and enjoy every last little morsel. Well, and that's the thing. It's They're 70, 72-year-old men. I feel like at that age, you have all the time in the world. It's like, oh, wow, okay, now I have to wait an extra three to five seconds. I'm totally fine with that because I'm going to be napping most of the day anyways. Sure. But I, can def- I definitely, yeah, I definitely get the point of if Tony would have cut in front of me and said something, I would have definitely been like a little bit, all right, well, hold on 
homie. First off, you're not really wa- rocking that Hawaiian shirt. I just just want to throw that out there. You gotta <laughs> you gotta insult them just a bit. Yeah. Uh, but just be yeah, you just gonna be like, hey, you respect my space, man, or shit's about to go down. I wouldn't throw a punch at a 72 year old man. If I guess if I was the same age as them, I would. I feel like now would be like not the right move to do. Yeah, that would probably be a pretty quick prison sentence. Maybe, yeah, for but a little bit I, of time. But I feel like if I, was, if I was the same age, I would definitely beat up an old man. I actually want to cut that out. Don't just forget <laughs> I said that, Brian. Just forget I said that. Yeah, I, what did you say? I, I love remember. old men. What? <laughs> but no, they I just, I, yeah, I think it's interesting how a guy like Tony is just so about getting this cheese sample, this this cheese in his mouth so fast that he has to cut in front of people. It's, it's a very interesting concept. Well, he also could be a socially awkward kind of person who's not really aware of things around him. I mean, he's not to hate on old people or give them a bad rap, but, you know, he's 72, he's up there, you know, maybe he's not really aware of what he's doing or that he's budging in line. I don't know if there were other people in line behind Herb who also got cut in front of by Tony, and I don't know how they would have reacted if it was just him and Tony at this table and he just kind of reached for his cheese before Herb did. I don't know. I mean, there there are a lot of things, but I think the ultimately the thing you got to go back to is you're at a Costco, you're at a grocery store, you're getting cheese, you're getting a cheeseburger, chill out. For Relax. free. For free. Yeah, you're getting your free cheeseburger sample. Relax, you know? I mean, it's to jump to the instant aggressive state of, I'm going to fight this person. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure they probably felt pretty silly. Like, wow, I just punched a person while I was trying to get free cheeseburgers. I think people just need to relax. I think it might have just been a situation where maybe Tony didn't even realize what he was doing. He cut in front of Herb the first time. He didn't even realize. Because when you like think of like Costco or Sam's Club situation where there's free samples, there's a plate of food, is there really like a structured line? I feel like it's really just go up to the table, grab your free sample and walk away. There's not like a structured cue. So maybe Tony didn't even realize that Herb was in line. Maybe he was just like, oh, it just seems like you just go up there and grab it. But then the second time he does it again and Herb says something to it and he's like, in Tony's mind, he's not thinking he's doing anything wrong. And then he goes to grab a sample and this guy uh, who's next to him says something to him. And then he responds and then that's how you get into this verbal spat and then eventually Tony punching Herb and punching his hat and glasses off. There's definitely maybe something like that where Tony didn't even realize what he was doing and then he just kind of responded to Herb's kind of aggressive nature. I can't say for sure what Herb said once Tony budged in front of him the second and ultimately final time. I don't know what Herb's words to him were. It's interesting to me that Tony was the first person to get actually physical. So I don't know if what Herb said was warranted that. I think that it's hard to justify being aggressive or physical with anybody, quite frankly. You know, if Herb said, excuse me, me, you just budged me in line, and then the guy punched him in the face. Yeah. Clearly, That's a that is a overreaction. That is a way overreaction. You know, if Herb made it personal and said, Hey, you ugly piece of shit, I hope your family dies. You budged in <laughs> front of me. If he says something like that, I can see Tony being like, Okay, it's a dickhead. Like, I'm going to, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, I don't know. But I would say with Herb, you know, he probably said, Hey, excuse me, you know, you've, you just budged me in line. I'm I'm next in line. And I would imagine Tony probably said, 
uh, whatever, there's no line. And then her probably made a comment to Tony, and then Tony, who clearly is a is the aggressor through the first the first punch. Hit him pretty hard too to knock off both his hat and glasses. It's not easy to knock your glasses yeah, off. That's, I'll tell that's you. An impressive. I've, I've had these things on my face for going on almost twenty years now. And they've and, never uh, been knocked off. They they'll they usually they fall off if it's usually by my own doing. If I swipe my hand near my face for whatever reason, I have a tendency to maybe bump them off. But in a fight you think they'd be pretty pretty safe on your face. Well we'll have to we'll test it out later. We'll, <laughs> we'll check it out. Later. We'll see what happens. But it's interesting that there's always some type of commotion around free or like reduced things. Like think of like Black Friday. Sure. You know, I've had friends or I have friends who work in like grocery stores or like Best Buy during Black Friday and they talk about these things. And they talk about how people like really get entitled when there's free or reduced things. And I guess I want to ask you and maybe you don't even feel this way. Maybe you don't. But if you do or if you don't explain kind of why do you think people feel entitled over free reduced things or like i said if you don't totally fine as well I think it's a I think it's a thing of people not wanting to miss out on an opportunity to get something for a better deal. You know, there's a lot of people that'll go out to a store thinking, I'm going to buy this one thing, and they end up buying five things because they walk by these aisles, they see these deals, and they think, wow, I can get this for a cheaper price Every right time now. I go to Target, yeah. Exactly. You end up leaving with a lot more than you thought <laughs> you were going to. So I think, you know, Black Friday is, is a, that's a different animal because Black Friday, you know, we're not talking even just free, reduced, cheap things. We're talking about things that were at one time the day before, for example, way more expensive than they are on Black Friday. I mean, we're talking TVs, we're talking video game systems, computers, things like that, that, you know, it would take someone a lot of work and time, depending on what their job is, to earn enough to get that luxury. So to have that luxury at a cheaper price and to, say, wait in line overnight, as some people do, to get these items, to have someone budge in front of you who just got there, that would rub me the wrong way. If I spent a lot of time, now it's it was my choice to spend a lot of time waiting, but if I were to miss out on a TV because someone got there right before they opened the doors, whereas I had waited, that would rub me the wrong way. But again, you know, what could you do? I think that in that scenario, it's, it's not even necessarily the reduced price and all of that. It's the feeling of missing out, but also the feeling of how much time you're putting into doing something. Well, yeah, and I think that's, I think that's a very good point is obviously, like the way I look at when I buy a thing, I'm like, okay, how much, how many hours of that of work is it? Like if I want to buy, say a new camera and it's like a thousand dollars, I know, okay, that's like 10 hours of work or something. I don't make hundred dollars an hour, but just <laughs> for say, an example. Sounds like a nice job. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I make bank off this podcast, Brian. <laughs> bank. But anyways, that's kind of how I look at it. So yeah, if someone's like, okay, I can get that camera for $500, that's only five hours of work. It's more time I can spend with my family or stuff like that. The thing I don't get is when people stay overnight or camp out. And then they're spending, I don't even know how long people camp out for, but like five to 10 hours. So now that they're trying to, they're trying to save $500, but they've been camping out for eight hours. That's $800 they potentially missed out on. So well, I always think it's like an interesting kind of gambit. Well, the, the Black Friday thing is interesting too, because it falls around Thanksgiving where the day before Black Friday, a lot of people aren't actually working. So they True. have the time to, I mean, obviously you have to, well, you don't have to, but spend time with your family. And a lot of people do that. Not everybody does. I think that they have the time and availability to do that. What I think is strange 
strange. To go briefly off topic, I just got back from Seattle. I was seeing Pearl Jam. I saw them both nights. They played Wednesday night and Friday night. Wednesday, the show was at 7.30. The doors opened at 5 o'clock. My friend and I got there at about 10 in the morning to wait in line because we had general admission and we wanted to get up to the front of the stage. So we figured we get there early in the day. We'll just kind of wait. They'll open the doors. We'll go in. We'll go right up to the stage. We'll wait for the show to start. Bam. All worth it. It's brutal having to wait out in the sun outside of this building for hours. But again, you know, in the end, it's worth it because the experience when the show goes on and you're right there in it, it's it's made it all worth it. It's kind of like with working out. You know, you could spend the whole day dreading a workout, but after you finish it, you're like, wow, you know, I'm glad I did that. It was worth it. I definitely, I definitely see your point on that because... Like, you're spending that time on an experience that doesn't have a cash value. That Pearl Jam experience is going to live with you the rest of your life. I think when you get to a point where there is a cash value, where there is that camera is $500, I think then that's where at least I have an issue with it. But yeah, something like if it's a concert or you're like waiting in line to see like a new movie that's like a big phenomenon, I think that's definitely worth it to stay in line. But I just, I never agree with Black Friday people waiting in line. I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. But I think the the weird thing about the Pearl Jam thing is, again, I got there at 10 in the morning and I was probably maybe the hundredth person in line. And there were people that had camped out for two or three days outside of this building to see this show. And that to me, to go back to your point of you could be making money, you know, working your job instead of camping outside of this building for three days. I don't know these people's personal lives, but it just seemed strange to me. I don't know. I mean, it would maybe seem strange to people that I would get there at 10 in the morning and wait all day, but to camp out overnight for two days i wonder if i you know i hope it was worth it well and that's i I would imagine yeah going to my example it's like two days okay that's two days of work you could potentially use that money to buy vip seating right something of that nature so it always interests me and i get it for like concerts and shows like that but if it's like the new iphone or stuff like that it's just people are very materialistic and i think that's just a whole not a big fan of it speaks to a lot of society, doesn't it? Yes. All right. Well, in the end, authorities are still looking over surveillance footage to sort out the situation between Herb and Tony, and no one has been arrested yet. They just, (laughs) Herb and Tony, they just left the freaking store, and that was it. Just walked out, dusted themselves off, (laughs) put that hat back on, the glasses back on. Yeah, to put the hat and glasses. He had to bend over to get the hat and glasses, and it's a... Tony went back to that gift shop that he got that Hawaiian shirt at. (laughs) Bought another one. Bought another one. Saved all that money. All right. Well, Brian, yeah, thank you for being on today today's episode uh brian grossman actor it's not i somehow that sounded like it was the end of the episode but just i'm <laughs> just introducing <laughs> yeah thanks this next person uh but brian you're an actor film lover future director you were uh you've done we've worked together acting wise you've done a lot of work with northern lights productions uh yeah. two three two episodes they were on our podcast chris and jake you were in big shoes to fill which was quite the experience um but yeah you are you're quite a talented actor by the way, I must I must have to say that you always blow me away by your characters. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Making me blush now. Oh yeah, you're blushing. Oh, you're paying me. Well, you paid me money to say that beforehand. So I, I just wanted to make sure, like, had a note. He paid me some money to do that. I better better include it. <laughs> I'm just happy you actually did it. Uh, you are a big film lover. You classical film lover. Yeah, absolutely. Would be more of your forte. Would you say? To be honest, I just kind of love everything film. I'd be really hard pressed to find 
find a movie that I really did not like. I could come up with a few off the top of my head that I would just say, this is just absolute trash. Well, that's actually what I want to ask you. Like, <laughs> among, like, the big movies that are highly touted, are rated well, what's the worst one you've ever seen? You know, there was a movie that won Best Picture at the Oscars in the early 80s called Chariots of Fire. And it has a classic theme that I guess I don't know how well-known it would be today. But for a time, it was a theme song that was used in a lot of commercials. It was used in a lot of things. People knew the song, even if they hadn't seen the movie, might not have even known that it had come from a movie or that movie. But one of the most boring experiences watching a movie for me, and I don't I don't really know why, and I don't want to say boring is a good criteria for a movie or, or a good criteria to judge a movie on, but at the same time, you know, if you're not getting into the movie, you're not getting into the movie. And I've tried to watch it a few times and it's just it's just a struggle. Another example would be The English Patient, which is amazing actors all around. Ray Fiennes, I mean, that movie won Best Picture in 1996. Again, I, I think it might be one of those things where I have to give it a chance again. I've tried. I just, it's hard for me to get through it. But, you know, I have found there have been a lot of movies and similar with music, there have been a lot of movies that at one time I saw it and didn't really like it or didn't really get into it, didn't understand it. Maybe it was the wrong time in my life. But then further down the road, I go back to it and it's like a whole new movie to me. And I love it. You know, it's the same thing with music. There's songs that I heard when I was a teenager and I, you know, go to the next song. I'm just kind of meh, you know. But then a couple of years later, I'm all of a sudden obsessed with that album and that song. And I'm just listening to it constantly for a few days. And it's funny how that happens. And that's why it's hard for me to get behind movie critics because movie critics, it's seems like their reactions are all immediate reactions. They see a movie, they're immediately going to react to it. This is what they think. And if they tear the movie apart, that will have an impact on how many people go see that movie who otherwise may have actually liked it, but they're choosing to not see it based on what this person said. And then this person might go back 10 years later and watch it and say, it's one of the best movies ever made. And if you look at Roger Ebert, for example, he's an example of a guy who went back and rewatched several movies and re-rated several movies, movies that at one time he did not like, and then 10 years down the road, all of a sudden realized, you know, I feel like I'm in a place now in my life where this movie just makes a lot more sense to me. I feel like I understand what this person is trying to say, what they're trying to do. Again, that's why it's it's hard for me to say what really bad movies are, because there are some that clearly I just would see a trailer and be like, I'm not going to watch that. And that's judging a book by its cover. Maybe it would have been a good movie. It's hard for me to say, because when I see a movie, I try to appreciate all the good things in it. And if the movie is completely absent of good things, then obviously might not be a good movie. But I think it's important to see bad movies too, because then, especially if you're a filmmaker, because then you can see where they went wrong and how that could be fixed. I think it's it's definitely important. So movies that I would say are just the absolute worst garbage, usually a lot of them end up being part of like slasher film franchises like Friday the 13th part 7 and now I know I'm gonna say I love I absolutely love scary movies I love I don't want to hate on Friday the 13th because I love that's actually my favorite slasher franchise yeah Friday the 13th 1 through 4 are actually really good slasher movies those are good movies and they have it's fun to see the cast in some of those movies because some of them went on to do you know bigger things Crispin Glover was in Friday the 13th part 4 and then he went on to do 
the Back to the Future franchises, franchise, I guess, singular. You know, I mean, and so those are cool. But then as they started to get on a little bit, I think some people like them maybe for the nostalgia value. Some people might actually find real value in them. For me, it was just eye roll, eye roller, you know? And and when I when I get to that point, you know, maybe, maybe I'm taking myself too seriously. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to get into those kind of things. So usually if I was going to say the worst movie, it would probably be like Halloween 5 or just movies like that. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. Well, actually, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were a lot better than <laughs> than their uh, than their peers, I would say, <laughs> at least as far as sequels go. Well, let's, yeah, let's wrap up this. D- don't mean to cut you short, but... Uh... I, I could go all day. I could go <laughs> I know, all day. I, I know. I, you, yeah. are, you love your movies. I want to ask you this, though, before we move on to our next news stories. Reserve seating at theaters, yes or no? Yes. Damn it. All right. You were going to say no? Talk about. I don't even want to talk say no? I don't even want to talk about it. Listen to our episode with Northern Lights Productions. Maybe you'll also... get You'll get a good understanding of I, why I, I hate I, it. I think I, I think I can see both sides of it. I think I like it because it at least guarantees me that I'll be able to see the movie. Or at least, what I, I guess what I kind of like about it is when you go to the movie theater and they show you the screen and say, these are the seats that are available. You, or if you buy it online and you see these are the seats that are available, you'll know going in what that's going to be like. If the only seats that are available are in the very front row, then I'm probably not going to see the movie because really? that's because that's a struggle. Yeah, you know, for me, if I'm going to take the time, movies are very personal for me and I I want to be in the exact right frame of mind, right feeling, everything when I watch a movie because then I can give it all my attention and focus. If I'm troubled by the fact that I'm sitting right up next to the screen, I have to pretty much lie down in my reclining chair just to kind of even look up at the screen. It's it's going to be difficult for me to get into it, and I feel like I won't really look at the movie the right way. So at least giving me a heads up of what to expect, I kind of like that aspect. At the same time, I can see why, you know, it would be kind of annoying because you have someone who buys a ticket that morning, let's say. Most people buy their movie tickets, I would imagine, within an hour before the movie, maybe within two hours. But if you have people buying or, you know, right when the movie's starting or if they're late, but if you have people buying it early in the morning, and then they don't show up until the movie starts and they just go right to their center seat. It's I can see how it can rub someone the wrong way. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, if you don't like where you're going to sit, then go see a different movie. If you guys you know? want to know my opinion, listen to Tim Allen's mugshot. That's good. That's a little teaser. To get them I'm going to go back. You know what? I'm going to go back and listen to that because I, uh, I feel like I struck a nerve. It got heated. It, got, it, got, it was a heated this. conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, let's move on to something that is also could be heated tipping. A man's cheap and rude tipping method goes viral. This is from Fox News. Before we start, I want to ask you this. Would you consider yourself a good tipper? And how do you define a good tipper? Like 10%, 15%, 20%. What are your thoughts? I don't even necessarily get into numbers like that, the 10%, the kind of thing. To me, I usually give a pretty nice tip to the waiter, no matter what, because to me, this person is bringing me food. They're serving me. They're going to great lengths to make sure I'm having an okay experience. They're refilling my water. But what if they're not doing those things? Would you still give them a good tip? Probably still give them a decent tip. Interesting. Um, if the if the waiter directly insulted me or offended me, maybe I wouldn't. But to me, I, I just think it's not an easy job. And you deal with a lot of really difficult people. And this person in the story is a prime example. I just think that a lot of people don't don't have enough respect for people that are doing these kinds of jobs. And there's a lot of people who are not waiters who don't get tipped that should get tipped. Personally, I like to give a generous tip because, again, it's it's an, not an easy job. There's a lot of things to consider that are going on. Maybe they just had a horrible experience with a customer. I mean, we've all 
probably seen it. We've been to a restaurant and seen someone being just a complete jerk. But to me, I mean, I think I th- I think when given the option to give a tip of some sort, I usually always give a pretty generous tip. And that's to be quite honest, almost even regardless of how how the actual service is. Because again, I mean, it's it's a tough job and there's a lot of different elements. There's a lot of people that they're serving. There's a lot of things going on. I can be a little irritated like, man, I kind of wish they would fill up my water, but I would never say that to them. I would never say, hey, what's taking you so long or snap my fingers at them. I would never do anything like that, but I but I wouldn't do that in my normal life with people anyway. I mean, I'm a pretty easygoing guy and I like people. I like to be a nice guy to everybody. And I just kind of like being generous, I guess. That's not to make me sound like I'm so great, but you have I don't been know if, if, if all I, of your cash. If, if, <laughs> yeah, I pull out all my hundreds and I just <laughs> hand them out to everybody. No, but I just if if given the option to tip and I'm not even necessarily given the option. Sometimes I'll give a tip if there's not if it's not really expected. But if I just think like, you know, it, it's really cool, it's whatever. But particularly if I'm given the option to tip, I'm generally going to put a pretty nice tip down. I, I Pre- pretty nice by my by your financial standards. standards yeah, which... where you are. I, d- I understand that sentiment. I'm someone who, a little different, like I have a minimum that I'll always skip no matter what because like you said, they're doing a job. But there's cases where to me it's... And this may be controversial, but I don't see a tip as charity. A tip is um, something that is given to someone for doing a good job. So if you do a fantastic job, you make my meal experience or you add something to my meal experience, I'm going to give a bigger tip. But if you're like distracting from or taking away from my meal experience, and I understand there's always other variables and people are sometimes maybe just having a shit day. That's why I always have that like basic minimum, but you're not going to, I don't even want to say earn it because because that sounds like you're a dog doing stuff for tricks and treats and stuff. But if you're not providing that same type of experience that that person who did amazing is, I don't think you should be compensated the same. I don't know, but I've always felt like I have a base minimum, which I think is pretty generous. And if you do a good job, I'm willing to give you more money because you deserve it. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's a pretty interesting. I think everyone kind of has their own kind of sentiment on how they view tipping and what they think is appropriate and stuff of that nature. Well, and I, for me, I don't go out to eat that much. It's not often that I go out to a sit-down restaurant. If I'm on a vacation, I probably do it a lot more frequently. Like I, like I just, I mentioned earlier, I was in Seattle, so I was going to a lot more restaurants than I normally would. For me, though, you know, if I'm going out to a restaurant, which I don't do often, I go with the understanding that I'm going to be spending money, and part of that, at least for me personally, is including of the tip. And I know that I'm not going to be in this scenario often, so since I'm doing it now, I may as well just put down a nice tip. For the That's person. a good point. For me, I mean, I don't want to get into numbers, but I usually, again, like I don't even really think about the percentages or things like that. Like, oh, I got to give them, my bill was, you know, seven, $7.38, so I need to give them 10% of that, which is blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I would put down a five. I'd put down something like that. You know, if... If it was a $100 meal or something, I'd probably put a 20 down, maybe 25 even. But again, I don't go out to restaurants often. So for me, that's part of the whole experience is you pay for the food, you pay for the tip, you have a good time. I think that, uh, again, I mean, but I, I'm also a person that would possibly tip somebody in a non-tipping scenario just because I just like tip your mailman doing that. Yeah. 
Okay, interesting. How do you feel about this statement? It should be a rule of thumb. If you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to eat out. I would agree with that, I guess. I think so, too. Um, I mean, it makes sense to me. It's people who go to restaurants and order food and don't give a tip. It really speaks volumes about that person and their compassion and their feelings towards people. And it just, that does rub me the wrong way. It yeah, because bu- you hear a lot of people saying like, why should I tip you? Just get paid more. But then there's the drawback of you're getting cheaper food because they're relying on tips and kind of all those variables. Because in like a European restaurant where or like Denmark or something where they don't have tipping, the meals are higher priced because they're paying their employees more. But you are going to like, you know, basic restaurant, the meals are a lot cheaper because they don't have to pay their employees as much because they're relying on tips. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot of variables to talk about, but those kind of people, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, I mean, well, there's so many other things. Then you hear about these celebrities. You know, some of these football players, for example, who go to a restaurant, spend $1,000 or spend whatever they're they're spending on a meal, maybe not $1,000, and then they leave no tip or they write just a rude remark on the receipt instead, or they'll leave one penny as a tip. That to me is just like, it's so insulting and it's just so disgusting that people do that. Even if the service wasn't that great, I just think here's a person that does not like the idea of giving someone something, of giving, he doesn't want to give them his money that he quote unquote worked so hard to get. It bothers me because I think a lot of people aren't generous enough. A lot of people aren't concerning enough with making sure everyone else is doing okay. If I was a millionaire, whatever celebrity, I would live, as I mentioned, I mean, I, I give pretty decent tips. You'd go out to dinner I, a little more often. I, I would go out to dinner more often, <laughs> more than likely. And But I would be pretty, pretty damn generous. Not going to lie. If I had, we, if I was well beyond my means as well, like in particular, I would be giving amazing tips. And that's not even, it wouldn't even be for the notoriety. And I'd maybe even tell the person, don't don't tell people that I did this. Not because I don't want people to start asking me for money, but because I don't want to do it for that reason. You're just I, doing it because you want to be a good person rather than being... I get fulfillment and joy out of trying to bring joy to other people or being generous with other people. Because to me, I like that whole synergy of everyone being good with each other and everyone being happy and everyone having a good day at the end of the day and looking back and saying, you know, that guy made my day or that was a really nice thing. True. You're a lot better person than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So now, now we have a bit of background on both of us feel about tipping. So let's get into the meat of the story as those. So we have some uh, European listeners, so many may not be aware, but as those in the U S are aware, many servers, hosts, bussers, and kitchen staff depend on tips at the end of the night to help round out what they're paid hourly, which is typically far below minimum wage actually the required minimum for workers who receive tips is $2.13 an hour, which is crazy. But when you add tips, evens out. Tipping, which didn't become popular in the U.S. until the end of the Civil War, has become an expected part of dining in the U.S. and unfortunately has been linked to server abuse and harassment by customers who deem their experience unworthy. Did you know that tipping started after the Civil War? I was absolutely not aware of that. That is a fact. Yeah, racist restaurant owners embraced tipping after the Civil Civil War to employ free slaves without actually having to pay them any wages, and many customers supported this new practice because they believed it was natural to tip inferiors. Quotation marks around inferiors. So that's how tipping in the United States started. Don't fact check me on that, but no, it's it's a true fact. I always say it whenever I have like a cool fact. I'm like, don't fact check me on it, but it's a true fact. I just <laughs> completely disregard my well, credibility. And that, and that sounds that sounds pretty uh, pretty awful. 
Yeah, it, it definitely does. All right, Brian, we need another name for this tipping guy who thinks he's better than everyone else. What name are you going to give him? Douchebag. Let's <laughs> <laughs> name him Greg. Greg. Let's give him Greg. Greg Feingold. Greg Feingold. Feingold, heir of the Feingold dynasty. All right, so Greg Feingold, who was out on a night on the town with his wife, decided to have a fun game at his waitress's expense by using a method he claims helps you receive the best service of your life. Greg took to Facebook to share his method. And the fact that he has to go to Facebook to share like, oh, this is what I did. You can already tell that he's kind of a douche. Right. All right. So this is what he said. This is Greg Feingold's method to receive the best service of your life. So I took the wife out to dinner last night and we have always talked about doing this. You put five singles out on the table at the beginning of dinner for the waiter waitress to see. You don't say anything to them. If they mess up, you take away a dollar and so on. At the end of dinner, however much is left is their tip. I shit you not, you will receive the best service of your life. The waitress kept looking at it as if she was confused, but she played her cards right, did a good job, and received the whole five bucks. I did take away a dollar, though, because she forgot the bread, but she bounced right back and gave us extra. All in great evening with my love and a good dinner experiment we both wanted to see play out. Try it. You'll be surprised. What a condescending <laughs> piece of shit. Exactly. And if, right? if, for those wondering, this was also a thing that happened in Third Rock from the Sun and Seinfeld. So it's like, it's been around for a while, but this guy was a guy, he went on Facebook to basically brag about it. I feel sorry for his wife. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's to... a very demeaning act for right. the waitress. Yeah, no, it's it's horrible. I mean, it, this guy, horrible, horrible, horrible. I think this guy sounds like just a real piece of work. I think super condescending. I would imagine if I was his waiter, I would probably have a lot of resentment towards him. Just sounds like a real piece of work. And I think, I think to me, you know, to make light of it on Facebook too, to try to look like, oh, look how funny. I am. Look how cool I am. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of like put me over the edge is like you literally went on Facebook to show how better you are than everyone. It's just like, why? Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's obnoxious. And I, I would feel... I feel for that server that had to put up with that. I think it's very condescending. It's very demeaning. I think that, I don't know, I, I just, that really rubbed me the wrong way when I read that article because I, I mean, I certainly know people like that who haven't necessarily done that, but people that I could see doing something like that just have no, no real moral compass. I mean, everything is a game to them and they think that they are so high up above everyone else that they can use this person as a guinea pig. Like, let's try this little experiment. Well, yeah. I very this much person's livelihood. Yeah, see Greg Feingold, Feingold, right? I very much see him as someone that he thinks he is the only person that matters in the world and everyone around him is there to serve him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, Greg doesn't know the circumstances of this waitress's life, of her experiences working at this place, of what she she might have had a shitty customer right before he walked in as well. And I mean, she's having a bad night. And then this guy decides I'm going to be, you know, Mr whatever, just a complete idiot and just, oh, I'm going to play a game with her. I'm going to take a dollar away every time she does something like that. You know what, dude? I don't need your money. I'd be like, I would, I would just say right there, you know what? Keep the five. It's not worth it. Like you're a goof. You know, I definitely, like I said at the beginning, I agree with the sentiment that a tip should be earned. You know, a tip is in charity that really allows you to put forth like the worst possible effort. But I very much, very, very much disagree on the way that Greg went about the whole situation. Like I said, you know, waitress waiters, they aren't circus animals. They're not there to perform for you, which basically Greg and his wife expected. Yeah, it's very demeaning. It's regardless on if the service is good or poor, 
tip them accordingly. Don't make them perform for you. Like you said, you know, Greg has really no idea what's going on in that waitress's life. You know, her boyfriend could have broken up with her that morning and she got kicked out of the house and now she has no place to stay. Maybe it's not always that drastic, but there's always, yeah, there's always variable factors to something that's going on in this waiter, waiter waitress's life that can affect their performance. People just expect waitresses to be this <clears throat> autonomous robot that just is there to serve you when really they're human beings with the same problems we have. And I think quite frankly, even regardless of what's going on in this person's life, I think the fact that this person just would do that to them, again, it just shows no moral compass, no compassion, regardless of what happened in a waiter's life or a waitress's life, regardless of any of that, I would still give a pretty good tip because, and I wouldn't play with them, play with their money like that. Well, yeah, exactly. Dangle it in front yeah, of them. Yeah, the fact like that a, they like took away a dollar because she didn't bring her bread. Just say, hey, you know, I notice we don't have any bread on the table because the next time you're in the kitchen, could you grab some? That's all you have to do. You don't right. have to demean someone over it. Yeah, I would imagine he's probably not the easiest person to deal with in personal <laughs> Maybe his like, second or third wife. Let's go back to the advice. Let's go back to, we're turning this into an advice podcast today. You're the waiter in this situation. How do you respond? You kind of talked about it, but go more in depth. How are you responding as this waiter? I would probably, honestly, just keep doing my job. It would bother me, but I wouldn't want to give that person the satisfaction of knowing that it had any sort of impact on me. I mean, I would definitely take the money, you know, I'd <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's there and you leave, it's like, yeah. I'll take it. But I would be bothered. And I don't think I would not give good service based on that. I don't think I'd be like, well, he's being a dick, so I'm just going to not give him water or I'm not going to bring his bread. I probably wouldn't do that, quite frankly. I would just try to not sweat the small stuff. And I think that that person, Greg, Mr. Feingold, he is an example of the small stuff because he doesn't matter. He's a shitty person, clearly. I don't know him personally, don't know that I'd want to know him personally. I just think he sounds like a condescending piece of work. And that is a prime example of the small stuff because people like that do not matter. In the end, like everything kind of balances out. I don't know where you stand, like karma and just like energies in the universe. But I think in the end, everything kind of balances out. Like, okay, Greg kind of gypped you on a tip, but I feel like, you know, if you keep, you don't sweat the small stuff, you just do you, eventually that is going to even itself out. Someone's going to come in and leave you an awesome, huge tip. Yeah, never, never sweat the small stuff. It's hard. It's hard to say. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. But yeah, it's definitely good advice. Well, you know, maybe Greg also comes from a place where he didn't realize how condescending it would really be. Maybe the backlash that he received post putting it on Facebook has made him realize like, wow, yeah, that was a really shitty thing. Maybe not. Maybe he could care less. Maybe he doesn't really care about anyone else or what they think. I, I do think that that was a unexcusable act, though. You don't do that with people. That's It's just rude. It's I don't know. I, yeah, I think I think that's a good point where you said that maybe Greg doesn't even realize because <clears throat> you even have, what's that law called, like the influenza law for like rich kids? If they do something wrong, they don't know that they did something wrong. I know the I, influenza we'll have, virus, but I don't. <laughs> it's something like that. We'll have, I'll have to double check after. After the show, but yeah, it's maybe like Greg saw Dr. Solomon or Kramer do it on one of those shows, and he was like, "Oh, that seems like an interesting thing. I'm gonna try it." And maybe he even like he was in that state of mind where he doesn't even realize what he's doing is condescending, and it took. Hopefully, he learned from the situation. I guess is the is the takeaway from that. Well, and it's like, oh, poor you, you didn't get your bread. Unless it's Red Lobster, I mean, is it that big of a deal? I mean, if they're not bringing my biscuits, I'm definitely just taking out a hundred <laughs> well, and ripping it in yeah, front of. 
a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to end this one, I want to ask you: Do you think the U.S. should adopt a more Denmark? We talked about Denmark earlier, where they pay more, they don't tip style of customs, or do you think we should keep to our current system? It seems like some things almost deli- with delivery, for example, it seems like they almost have a base that needs to be tipped. Almost, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Like Domino's or pizza places or whatever, when they deliver your food, people who don't tip them are just absolute trash. But do I think we should adopt something like that? Um, I think waiters and waitresses should just get paid more anyway, because they're doing really difficult work. But still keep the tips. But I think they could still keep the tips because I think people should just have the option to tip however they're going to tip. I think it's hard for me to say that, though, because you got people like Greg who are going to be just total dickheads. And that's unavoidable. You know, there are shitty people out there and there always will be, unfortunately, because that's it's just the way it is. But I think waiters and waitresses should just be getting paid more anyway. I think the fact that they have to depend on their tips for survival in and of itself is a problem. They deserve to be getting paid more money. Now, some people get tipped really well. I know I have some friends who are bartenders and they'll walk away some nights with $1,000. They've been tipped. That's way more than I make, quite frankly, um, in a in a night. Definitely. Yeah, let's discuss your finances. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, you want my routing number? Let's get into it. But I, I just, I don't know. I think they should be getting paid more anyway because it is difficult work. You're giving people food. You're cleaning up after them. You're, you're doing all this stuff and it's just like to be getting paid dog shit pay, it's just... Yeah, I always it's, equate it's it. It's kind of sickening. I, I always know. equate it to like if you hire a maid to clean up after you, you're not just going to pay them nothing. It's basically the same thing, but there's food involved. And I just think, you know, I think janitors should make more money. They're cleaning up after people. And some people are so cruel. Like some people will purposely make a huge mess because they know someone has to clean it up. Oh after yeah, them. I remember in high school, kids used to do that all the time. It's horrible. Or like garbage men. People don't realize if there were no garbage men in the world, how much of a pig stent or a pig pig Sky. pig pen we pig would pen. live in. Yeah, they do an awesome job and they're amazing people and they deserve the recognition for that. A gar- being a garbage man is not. Garbage men actually make really good money. Yeah, and it's not some low level job. It's it's a very important job in our system. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes you'll go by a place and you'll see their trash area outside and it's just a complete just mess. And it's like, well, the trash guy is going to come pick it up. It's like, well, put it in a fucking can. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break. Like, don't make them get on their hands and knees and pick up all your pieces of crap trash, you know? I mean, it's just, people are just, again, it's, it's being totally lacking compassion, consideration for other people, what they have to do, not being selfless enough. Selfless enough in the way of, I know that this person is going to come collect this trash anyway, but why don't I straighten it out a little bit so it's easier for them to do their job? Why don't I, you know, stack all the plates together so it's easier for the waiter when they come over to take the plates out of there? It's things like that that are little things, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're... They make a huge difference. They make a huge difference. I mean, it's there's not enough selfless people out there that will go the extra length just to make sure that it's easier for the person that is doing their job to do their job. That bothers me. I I think that's the perfect sentiment to end that story on. I think you nailed it there, Brian. Thank you. All right. Have you been to college? Did you love college? And are you in debt? <laughs> I'm in debt, certainly. To bookies. That's to another, bookies. That's another that's, that's conversation. <laughs> I, did, I did go to college. I'm not currently in college. The experience was important. I'm glad I did it. There were ups and downs, certainly. I think like anything, sometimes it's kind of hard to know where you're going 
in your life, what you're doing, especially at that age, especially at the age we're at now. You know, I'm 27. I think that it is it is important to go to college to get certain kinds of experiences, I think. I don't I don't know, but it's it's tricky because then you have, you know, then you have a lot of debt. You know, if you walk away from college with quote unquote nothing to show for it and you're just sitting there paying all the money back that you owe, it's it makes you wonder. But I think ultimately it was worth it for me because I met people that I would have otherwise never met, people that I'm very close to now. I had experiences. I learned things, not always the best experiences, but I had enough good experiences that to me it was it was definitely a worthwhile thing. I think more more than anything else, regardless of what career I end up doing, if I don't, if this whole film thing doesn't work out, regardless of any of that, I I'm glad I met the people I did and experienced the things I did and learned the things I did, regardless of what it does for me in my life and my career. It's something that I will look back on that I'm, I'm glad I did it. I wouldn't have met you probably if I had not been in college. Well, you're going to make not cry, known right? <laughs> and had not <laughs> and had not known the guys at Northern Knights Productions. I, I would not have met you. I would not have met them. I mean, it's I try to look at it that way. You know, it's a small price to pay for experiences like that. Maybe not a small price. They're, it's a little expensive. But Well, speaking of know. the expensive part, there may be a solution. Colleges ask for a share of future salary in lieu of loans. This is from AP News. As more and more students begin to bulk at the increasing debt they will face after graduation, some colleges are beginning to offer an alternative. We'll pay your tuition if you offer us a percentage of your future salary. Norwich University, the military college of Vermont announced that they would become the latest school to offer this type of contract known as income share agreement. In contrast to traditional loans in which students pay off principal with interest until there's nothing left, students with income share agreements pay back a percentage of their salary for a set period of time. The program is said to give colleges greater incentive to help students find high-earning jobs after graduation because a higher salary means the school will be able to recoup its investment in a much shorter period of time. Brian, what do you think of income share agreements? What do you think of colleges taking a percentage of your salary? salary until you pay off your loan. Well, I think ultimately, if that is in fact how it would happen, where they take off a percentage of your salary, but once you reach the amount that you owed them, they stop taking a percentage of your salary. I think that might be kind of worthwhile because, I mean, it also mentions in there about a lot of it will have to do with what career you're doing. Exactly. If you're making no money, they're not going to say, well, you made five bucks, so give us a dollar of that. You know, I think that that's good. But I think it also gives them more incentive to make sure that you go off and do everything you need to do. And I think there are a lot of advisors and people at college. I went to the University of Minnesota and there were a lot of people, a lot of people there that worked hard to try to make sure I was on the right path, doing what I needed to do to get things done, to make sure that when I left college, I was in a much better position than when I, before I had come to college, a more better position to do what I wanted to do, but also have a, make a living that will allow me to survive. I think there are a lot of people that are really, really good about that. I think with, as, as far as the the contracts go, you know, it's always difficult for me. You know, if you're dealing with young kids just out of high school, early 20s, they don't know a lot of what's going to happen. They don't know. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen, what the future is going to bring. But especially when you're young, you really have no concept of 
where you'll be in 10 years. You have thoughts, dreams, goals, things you want to do. You might have an idea. If you're planning on going to med school, you know, you'll you'll know I'm going to be in school for X amount of time. But really, a lot of things change in 10 in even 10 years. And people live av- on average what to be in their like 70s yeah, or I think whatever. 75, 76. A lot of things change in 10 years. And it's the idea of having someone sign a contract at such a young age. I don't know that it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but it deserves a lot of thought put into it if you're going to do it. I think it's the same thing with just student loans in general. I think a lot of kids left high school not really fully understanding what they may ha- or may not have been getting themselves into with student loans. I, yeah, I was I was someone like that. I had no idea what student loans consist of. I had no idea yeah. what they meant. But I know I needed them to go to college. Sure. And I, and I think that's that's the big thing right there. If, if you don't have the person there advocating for you to help you understand what the best option would be for you financially, it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing. It's drilled into people's heads from a young age. You go to college if you want to have a job. If you want to have a career, you have to go to college. Unfortunately, that's not a reality for a lot of people. And so, because financial reasons. And so, then they come in with these student loans and they say, well, you know, we can make your your dream of going to college, getting a job a reality. You just have to sign up for these loans. Now, a 17-year-old kid, if they don't have guardians in their life who will look through this for them or help them understand this, if they are just given this option and it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go or not? That's... I don't know. That's I don't know how right that is. I don't know because again, like a lot of the time when I talk to people who have graduated college, a lot of them come with the notion of I didn't really know financially what I was getting myself into. I knew that I had to go to college to get a job. I knew it was really important. That's what everyone always says, you know. Half of high school is spent gearing people up towards like I'm getting you ready for potentially going to college. And you feel like if you don't go to college, then you are losing out you are you're not going to make it your things aren't going to work out and so it's really important to you that you got to just do it i don't know i think a lot of people again don't unfortunately for whatever reason and now it's not necessarily to blame anyone else you know if if you're going to sign up for student loans you should do your research and i think that that is very important i think with the contract you should do your research You should see what exactly you are signing up for, what you are doing, and you need to think about it because it's a big decision. I think it's it's tough. One of my older brothers went to college early 2000s and the price at the U, at least from what I can recall for him, and he lived in state off campus like I did, but the cost for him was ten dollars to $15,000 less than what it was for me by the time I graduated. The time I started at the U, it was maybe $4,000 less than what it was when I signed up for my last year at the U. So the price keeps going up, and I wonder, I don't know, I think there's a lot of people at these universities that don't make a lot of money. And that's kind of alarming to me that there's people that are being underpaid while you have 55,000 students, grad and undergrad, paying exorbitant amounts of money. Where's a lot of this money going? It's going to, you know, obviously upkeep. You got to make sure the buildings and everything are good. You got to make sure all the lawns are cut. You got to make sure all the cleaning people, whatever. You got to pay the professors. Do I think some people at these universities make too much money? I would say maybe some. I think some of the higher ups, people in charge, maybe make more than they necessarily should. But, you know, again, 
these are just things that I maybe think. I don't really have any facts to go back on and say, well, this is the num- these are the numbers. I mean, I'm throwing numbers out here and things like that from my own personal experience of what I recall, but I can't say for sure who's getting paid what, this, that, or the other. Is it worth it that they're getting paid the what they're getting paid? I think a lot of teachers should get paid more because they have a really important job. They are in a position of gearing people up towards their future, towards that person's future. And I think, not to go back to the tipping story, but in addition to teaching students the the basic things that they that they teach, if they're an English teacher, they'll have them read these books, they'll discuss language, all of that. I think it is a goal of the teacher as well and more so of the parents. It is a goal, at least for me, if I were a teacher, to incorporate compassion, being selfless, into my teachings. Because you're really trying to shape these people to be the future. And some of these people might go on to have some sort of control over your own life, quite frankly, if they go on to become, you know, in government somewhere. I think it's important to incorporate a lot of different elements into the teaching process, not just the actual subjects that are being taught. I think there are some bad teachers, certainly. I think there's some amazing teachers. And there's teachers that love to just teach new ideas, creative ideas to young people and teach them to be good people. So I think as far as the contract goes, though, I would say do the research. I think it sounds like it could be good, but sometimes some things sound good too good to be true. I think that if I were to sign that contract and they were to somehow guarantee me that I'm going to be making right out of college, you know, 50 grand a year, 60, 70 grand a year, and I had to pay a portion of that to them, I would maybe say that's worth it. The way it is right now, there really are no guarantees about what someone's going to do when they get out of college. The only guarantee is that they owe a lot of money. Well, holy crap. There was a lot of killer points in that. (laughs) Definitely start unpacking some of it. And the thing I've always advocated for, and I've said it multiple times on the podcast, is I think there needs to be more financial classes that are required in high school. Because as a 16-year-old, I don't care about finances. But now as a 23-year-old running my own businesses, those are very vital to what I do. And I think that's a requirement. It should be a requirement in high schools that they talk about finances, they talk about student loans. Both my parents went to local colleges, so they didn't pay student loans. They went very long time ago. I don't want to like just throw my mom under the bus or dad under the bus for being old, but it wasn't anywhere close to ex- as expensive as it is now. My brother went to the Marines, so he didn't go to college. So I was the first one in my immediate family to go to a big college that cost a lot of money. And my stepmom, who did awesome in trying to instill to me like what it means, student loans mean, what interest rates mean, you know, she got me set up awesome with very low interest rates. But I still didn't understand everything at 18 years old because I didn't have financing classes. I had no idea what any of this meant. I had a bank account since I've since. I was like seven, but I didn't know anything that revolved around savings or interest or I had a basic idea. I don't want, I'm not like, I wasn't an idiot, (laughs) but that very, I didn't have the idea that for the next 25 to 30 years, I was going to owe money. Now looking back at it, I wish I would have been more smart about it. Like now, if I have kids, I want them to go to community college for the first two years, get their generals out in a cheap option, and then for the next two years, go after their degree. Because I went to school and I like the part about you. what you said is like you're 18 and you have no idea where you're going to be in 10 years. I went to school for zoology and animal behavior. I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to work with animals. And now I'm hosting a podcast on the internet. I left school 
after a year because I was just so fed up with the college thing. And you talked about people are like, you have to go to college. That's the thing you have to do. And when I left college, people gave me a lot of shit for it. Just tons of shit. There's more shit than there was supportive shit. And it was like such a weird thing. I was like, I'm just doing what I think is right in my life. But people are so instilled or it's been so programmed into people. It's like, all right, high school. High school basically is preparing you for college. You have to go to college. You have to go to college to get a degree, to get a good job. And that's what everyone says. And when I left, people were like, oh, you're just going to struggle. You're not going to get a good job, stuff of that nature. And I was just like, there's other ways you can make it, but it's been so programmed to us that we need to go to college. And from that, from that programming, we need to take out these massive, massive loans that many of us at 18, you know, I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I guarantee a lot of people out there had the same thoughts I did about the whole situation on taking out these massive loans that you're going to have to pay off for a majority of your life. You don't understand it, but you have to, or you feel like you have to, not you have to, but you feel like you have to because everyone says you have to go to college. It's just a very weird dynamic on, hey, you want to be, I can't even think of a job but give me a job title. I'm just blanking on jobs right now. Give me any job. You want to be a banker. Say you want to be a banker. And people are saying, okay, the only way you can be a banker is by taking out $20,000 to $50,000 loans each year. And that's the only way you're going to become a banker. People at 18 who are so, like you could peer pressure an 18 year old like that. It's such an easy thing. That that sounds disgusting, but you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> 18 year olds are very much, they'll go with what people try to push them into because they haven't made up their own identity yet. Particularly with people in authority. Yeah, exactly. So if like a parent, your school advisor says you need to go to college to become a banker, that's what you think you have to do. And people get stuck into student loans. They get stuck into this recurring nightmare. You can tell I hate student loans. I'm I'm very much against student loans because in the end, I think it really hinders your future. Because right now I went to school for one year and I took out a $25,000 loan, which seems ridiculous. And now I'm trying to run my own company is that this is the first year that I've finally gotten above water because student loans have literally held me back for five years because I've had to take jobs here and there just to pay off my student loan debt. Because right right after I left college, I had to start paying my student loans. It's just, I would rather, I only looked into the basic, like you said, you have to do more research and I should have done more research and 18 year old kids, kids who are going to ready for college, definitely do as much research as possible. But I like the idea of taking a percentage of my salary. If I was back in college, and I still love working with animals. I have a company, Roar for Change, that works with animals. So I still am in that field. But if I was back to my freshman year and my college said, hey, listen, as part of your student loans, we'll help you prepare for that exact job you want. And we'll just take a percentage of what you make. I think I would have been more inclined to stay in college. Like I said, just do more research. They're both have their pros and cons. But yeah, it's I think it's a very interesting, interesting concept that I've never heard about before that kind of makes sense. And I think that there's, you know, again, to do the research thing, I think there's a lot of variables that people need to consider. Now, what if they graduate college, they've signed this contract, and what if they don't get a job? Or what if they get a job that pays them, but they don't want to do it? Are they stuck in that job now forever because they have to continue it until their loans are paid? You know, a lot of things, again... A lot of things change. People change. They don't know where they're going to be in five years, 10 years, let alone 
you know, whatever, the rest of their life. And I think it's very daunting to put into the mind of an 18-year-old, you are making a decision that is going to shape the rest of your entire life. It's just, I mean, it's you're, you're almost scaring them into it, you know? I think it's, maybe I'm wrong about this, everyone's different. I think it would have been more worthwhile for me to take a year off That's after exactly high what I was about to say. That's I wish I had done what that. What I would have recommend, like traveling, and this is not for everyone, traveling doesn't awaken something in everyone. Sure. But at least for me, and I know for my kids, because they'll have my genes, is literally I'll pass along my genes, sisterhood of the traveling genes. But anyways, I know <laughs> for me, it was like traveling is what really awakened me to what I want to do in life. I lived out of my car for a summer and traveled around the US and had these types of conversations with people and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And that's how I came to start doing this podcast is because I so much love those conversations I had with just random people like people from Portland, tattoo artists in Portland, UFO guys in Las Vegas, Native Americans in New Mexico. All those different experiences opened me up to realizing everyone has this amazing story they want to tell. And now I'm doing a podcast talking about those your stories. I mean, formatted to these crazy and strange news stories, but still learning more about how you see the world. You made a really good point earlier about needing to have classes in high school that are geared towards preparing kids to, for example, file taxes. How do you do taxes? Classes that are geared toward... I'm surprised that there's not more classes that are specifically geared towards learning about student loans and I mean, what there all of is, that means. There is classes. I want to make that very clear. There is classes, but they're not required. And it's like I said, you know, at 16, 17 year old, I'm a huge history buff. I would rather learn about the conquest of Rome than learn about filing taxes at 17. Sure. sure. And that, I mean, and that makes sense to me. I, I just think, you know, personally, I wasn't much of a math guy. I did math every single year of school prior to college, not by choice, but by the fact that I had to. I think that it might have been more worthwhile for me to have had accounting or tax or taxes, things like that incorporated into those classes. Because if I'm required to take this class anyway, you should really be making sure you're teaching me something that every single person has to do. I mean, everyone has to pay taxes. There's something, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to learn how to do taxes, but I need to learn how to do it if I'm that age. There's a lot of things I didn't want to have to learn in school because I just wasn't that into it, but I was required to. And I think that it is worthwhile to incorporate something like that into to say math classes like how do you file taxes what how does all of this stuff work because otherwise it seems like people are kind of fed to the wolves like well file your taxes yep. hope you do it right you know <laughs> or you go have to go you have a you have someone else do it for you you know H&R Block or one of these places and you pay like 150 bucks whatever it is to have them do it maybe they're doing it right maybe they're not maybe they but they, they don't know you know there's just like so many different facets to it that it's just like it, it's something that needs to be taught so people have an idea of how it works. Yeah, and I think I think I like the point on you said, like, even if, like, say I took U.S. politics and I didn't retain most of the information because I wasn't interested in it, but I still now have a basic understanding of U.S. politics. Sure. So, like, you're probably not going to be interested in taxes, but you're going to retain a basic knowledge of taxes, which is better than anything, and or I, better and than nothing at all. And I guarantee you, when you go into file taxes for the first time, you will be so happy that you learned how to do it. It's like I mentioned before about, you know, with working out or waiting at that concert. It might have sucked doing it, but in the end, you're glad you did it. It was worthwhile. I think personally, 
I wish I had taken classes more seriously when I was in high school and even to some extent in college. I think I, d- I definitely took them more seriously in college. I wish I had taken some of that more seriously. You know, to give you an example, you know, I took Spanish for a long time and I'm not fluent. <laughs> I'm not fluent. And, you know, I'm not proud of that. I'm that is something I actually am slightly ashamed of, because to me, I had an opportunity to learn this rich language, this language that so many people across the planet speak, so many people across the board. I had an opportunity to learn that so I could communicate with other people. And I kind of blew it off. I looked at it like, well, I'm required to take this class. It's just another class. I I would rather be watching a movie or something, whatever I'm into. But looking back, I wish I was fluent in Spanish right now. I wish I could go to a country where Spanish is the, the main language and just have conversations with people in Spanish. You know, I'm so impressed by people who speak so many different languages. I mean, because that requires a lot of work. But I think that that is an example of something that should be taken seriously by people. And and I regret not taking it more seriously when I did it, because I feel like I would be a a better person for it if I had that ability. More expansive of who you're going back to like traveling, like knowing fluent Spanish, you have more opportunities to travel, more opportunities to intertwine with the locals. Like I've, I've taken Spanish since second grade. And the only time I can speak it fluently is when I'm drunk because like just something switches in my brain where it's just the cognitive blocking that I have when I'm sober just releases. But I still understand it. I can understand conversations. I can understand reading and stuff like that. But yeah, I can't speak it fluently, at least when I'm sober. And like right now, I actually have Duolingo on my phone because I'm trying to learn Spanish. When I watch TV shows, I'll put the subtitles in Spanish because yeah, I feel like I wasted that opportunity from second to senior year of high school school how many years that's 10 years of spanish and i can't even speak it fluently and now i have to spend time out of my day and especially as a small business owner that's important time so yeah it's definitely i wish i would have took more been more serious about my classes back then but also back then it's like you don't think about the future you're not thinking and going all the way back to taking out these loans you're not thinking about the future you're thinking about what you're going to do friday night how you're going to somehow get that girl's number these are things that it's very interesting I guess the point I'm trying to make is we have to make these super crazy adult decisions when we are at a point in our lives where we don't even think taking Spanish is important. I think we are a society of dreamers. And for me, when I was in high school, all I could think about were all of the movies I wanted to make, all of the ideas I had, all of the performances I wanted to do or people I would love to have worked with or directors, actors. I was not thinking about, you know, chemistry. I wasn't thinking about a lot of this stuff. And a lot of people were. There were a lot of people that were really into those. And I, I mean, I took advanced level classes, not necessarily because I'm so advanced. I mean, I didn't necessarily do the greatest in them. A lot of my friends were taking them and a lot of them took it more seriously. And that was what they were thinking about. But, you know, for me, my, my focus was elsewhere. And now that I am here 10 years later, I wish that I had taken a little more time to focus on the things that were happening in the present. For example, Spanish class, math class, take a little more time to focus on those things rather than look ahead at the future only in the dreaming way that I did of I want to make movies. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I still want to make movies, but I spent too much time not really 
living in the present. And what is included in living in the present in that scenario would be getting my work done for school, getting everything done, knowing that there is an end line and that I have to just do what I have to do now to get to that line. And then I can think about other things. You know, it's it's um, it's tough. But at the same time, you know what? You can't live with regrets because what's the point? Life's short. I could die tomorrow. And if I were to die tomorrow and then you put a timeline up, how much time I spent regretting things, it's a waste. Waste of time. Very poetic. Bring some poetic <laughs> discussions to us. Uh, I mean, that's what I do. That's I just who I am. That. I'm actually wearing a shirt that says I'm poetic. <laughs> Uh, to kind of close out the story, the, U- the UK or other parts in the world, specifically the UK we can talk about, they offer free education, free secondary education, colleges, stuff like that. The UK actually takes 9% of earnings over 25,000 pounds or $32,000 and anything not paid off after 30 years is wiped clean from the loanee. So that's the UK's kind of, so it's kind of in this income share agreement style, which I think is interesting. I also think... I think the whole premise of this discussion is I think there needs to be a better system for the United States for people going to college. It's, it doesn't make sense that every other country in the world, the majority of countries, I don't say every other country in the world, can offer free education through taxes and we can't do that. I'd be more than happy to pay an extra 10 to 20 bucks on my taxes a year for colleges to be free. And I think it goes all the, all the way back to what we talked about money and being kind of money is the root of all evil. There's a reason there's a saying is a lot of these colleges, they care about their bottom line rather than the educational factor. And I mean, that's not all true. That's not, I don't want to throw out a generalization, but I think the majority of colleges very much care about their, how they look, how people perceive them. Like my college, for example, they just, a few years after I left, they bought a new stadium for their football team that hasn't competed in years. When I was taking English classes in the basement of a building with moldy ceiling tiles. So, I mean, it's just, I think there needs to be a better, more discussions like we're having right now on how to figure out a better way to pay for our secondary education. Because right now, there's an issue. There's, you know, you hear a lot about the student loan bubble. But the thing is, like the housing bubble, the stuff like that, you file for bankruptcy, that's gone. Student loans are going to stay with you the rest of your life. If you file for bankruptcy, guess what's still there? Student loans. If you die, guess what? those student loans are going to do. They're going to find any close relative that has money and they're going to go after them. Student loans never go away until you pay them off. And I just... I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the predatory nature of student loans. I think that's I think that's where I want my opinion to stand is I think student loans are very predatory towards young kids that may not understand the whole notion around them. I mean, I I I agree with you. I think I want to say though too, I don't want to pretend that I am an authority on the subject and that I can't say that I know really even that much compared I feel like I'm like the average person's understanding of these things. I have my own experiences with college and with student loans and things that I've had to do or meetings I've had to have or people I've talked to about these things. I have those experiences, but I'm also not necessarily an expert. And for me, a lot of the money that they make from that, you know, the University of Minnesota has a really nice campus. There's a really nice campus. There's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of things. Some of the the engineering buildings, I mean, they have a lot of cool stuff and it's, I would imagine, paid for by these loans that the U is making money off of. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. I just, for me, the idea of 
putting someone who doesn't have a lot of money in a position of you owe us and if you don't pay us we're going to pass you to a creditor who is going to take the money from you i don't like that that scares me again i'm not an expert well i think it doesn't even you don't even need to be an expert i think it's important that people that have a basic understanding still have this discussion because i i think we're both in the same boat on i don't have extensive knowledge on student loans i'm not an economist i don't know too much into that, but I have experiences the same as you. And I think it's important that we have these discussions because when we have these discussions, more people are going to have these discussions that are the same level that we are. And eventually it's going to get to a point where someone who has the, who is an expert in that field, hears it. And it's like, wow, if people who, you know, may not have a basic understanding, at least have an understanding enough to know that there needs to be changes, then I need to start lobbying for changes i think so i I still think it's important even if you're not an expert to have a discussion and i mean obviously don't just go in with oh this is my opinion and this is what right obviously try to get an educated opinion uh, but i I still think it's important it's like we said before do the research i think with anything most things in everybody's day-to-day life really require the research you know i don't want to get too political but you know with voting for example like some people don't really have any concept of who they're voting for Yes, yeah, so today because is because they don't they don't do the research. Yeah, today is August fourteenth, and it's actually the voting primaries in Minnesota. And right. I guarantee a lot of people don't even know that. Right. I can guarantee it. Absolutely. Like I'm going out right after we're done here to vote, and I guarantee, yeah, like I guarantee people do not even know that the Minnesota primaries are today, or primaries are even happening this there's year. There's some people that probably think there's only an elect, there's only voting every four years yeah. when a president mm-hmm. gets elected, and that's that's a shame. I think. Um, I do think it's a shame, though, too, when people vote for something that they don't really understand, again, because that impacts a lot of people. And so it might not be fun to do the research, but you got to do the research. You got to know who you're voting for. And even if who you're voting for is not who I want to vote for, as long as you actually read into it and really picked it apart and said, you know what? I am voting for this person because from what I've read about him and this other person, and I don't even want to just say him or assume that him, and that's a problem in and of itself. You know, I I think that it's important that people really understand who the candidates are and really make an educated decision on who they are going to choose, whether she's right for the job, whether he's right for the job. That's what's important, but it impacts a lot of people. When people don't vote, that has a massive impact on a lot of people. There's a lot of people who don't vote and then will complain. Exactly. Things aren't <laughs> yeah. going my way. And it's like, well, maybe you should have done some research yeah, and maybe voted you should have for done somebody. Something about it. And that, you know, that that bothers me. I think voting is very important. I think some people are like, well, I want to make a statement by not voting. And it's like, that's the opposite of making mm-hmm. a statement. You're not making a statement. You're not making a choice and doing something. And I, I don't know. On top of that... A lot of people died for our right to vote, our right to actually even do that. A lot of people died, you know, during the civil rights thing for their, for the rights for them. I mean, I just think some people take it for granted. And I think that's a, that's a shame because a lot of people sacrifice their lives to ensure that we had the opportunity to do research and choose an educated choice of who I want to be doing what they're doing. 
And that is a luxury that people in the United States, unfortunately, it seems, take for granted because a lot of people around the world don't necessarily have that luxury. And that's yeah, there's, a, and there's that's a shame. some countries that women are just getting the right to vote. And that's yeah. mind-blowing that to insanity? me. That's insane. Saudi Arabia, women just were able to drive within the past few years. I think maybe a year or two. That's insane. It is absolutely insanity. I um, The fact that it's taken so long for a lot of different groups of people to get rights it just i don't know it just blows my mind it's that and but that's the problem with humanity the human condition you're always going to have bad people i mean you can make laws you can do things there's always going to be someone there to break it there's always going to be someone there who doesn't care at all about anybody else but themselves and then there's always going to be someone who to take that a step further cares only about themselves but also wants to do harm to other people at whatever cost i just it it blows my mind you know i'm sitting here we're too logical guys talking about these kinds of things in theory logical um and it just boggles my mind to to look at how there's people that don't see it that way they don't see that it is insanity that not every single human on this earth and that is what we all are are humans not every single human on this earth is allowed the same opportunities or the same rights or the same things as others that to me is just absolutely horrible the one thing that always irks me every time I see it is people are so against slavery and then they don't realize that there's still like modern day slavery and it's, it's stuff like that like people it goes all the way back to that was like a weird connection but I think I was trying to make the point on doing education if you're gonna you know if there's something that you really feel strongly about make sure you know as much as you can about it so when you do have conversations about it it can come from a place of facts rather than opinions I think that's incredibly important because if you're just coming from a place of opinions, there's never going to be real change. I think real change comes from facts in a mixture of opinions, because if it's just, I'm just spewing facts to you, there's no compassion there. There's no connection. But if you're kind of mixing in facts, factual opinions, there, that's the word. If you're really having conversation with factual opinions, I think that's where real change happens. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I just think it's important for people to make sure that they are making the right decision. When they are in a position to vote for somebody, you need to make sure that they understand fully who they're voting for, what they're all about, what repercussions could be, who is being affected by this person being put where they're in, who is marginalized, who is not. These are, I mean, people need to really do research. You know, it's one thing to go vote just so you can post a selfie afterwards saying, look, I voted. It's another thing to actually care about what you're voting for or care about it and really just go do it. And I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it even goes to, like, if you want to see changes in student loans and stuff of that nature, changes are going to come from you voting for the right people that are going to make those changes. And I think it's important not to limit your political stuff just to election day, voting day. I think people need to have a stronger dialogue with these people that are in power, and that's not always made accessible to them, and that's a problem. Very true, very true. Any closing words on just student loans in general, contract, income share agreements? They all suck. Uh, <laughs> student loans, hate them. No, um, I would say... If I were to impart any closing knowledge to somebody, I would say, and I can't stress this enough, and I've already said it about 53 times, maybe more, probably not less, do your research. True. If you're a young kid and you want to go to college, try to understand what that really means. Mm-hmm. 
I think college is a good thing. I do. I do too. I, I think. I, I think do as well. I mean, there's a lot. Again, I I'm glad I went. Um, if for no other reason than I was able to meet the people I did, experience the things I did, and I learned. I did learn a lot of things. I think it's important. I think that people also should try to not let other people dictate their lives or judge them for decisions they make in that regard. You mentioned people talking to you after you had left college saying, oh, well, now you're, you know, this, you know, fuck them. You know what I mean? That's what I fuck told them. them. That's what I told them. Exactly. Regardless of what interests they have in it, fuck them. You live your own life. You do what you got to do. Be compassionate. Be selfless towards people. Try to help people, but do your research. And if there's things you want to do, Look into it. Don't blindly sign up for something that you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Definitely know what you're doing before you do it. Read the fine print. It sounds like I harp on college a lot, but yeah, like like you said, like college was probably the best decision I made at that time. I'm here doing what I'm doing because I went to college. You know, I wouldn't have realized what I wanted to do in life if I didn't go to college. So I think it's very important. But yeah, be be very prepared for what you're signing up for. I think is important. And as far as like just education in general, to be honest, I just, I don't know. I know, you know, I know there's an education problem in America. I know we need to be better. And I don't know the best way to fix it. Like you talked about, we're not experts in this field. I don't know how to fix the education problem. I'm just a guy. I can barely tie my shoes. Yeah, I'm just a guy with a podcast. But what I do know is we need to have more conversations like we're having right now. That is something I know for a fact we need to do. We need to find common ground between the left and the right. That's the only way things are going to change. If we we keep thinking that we're going to keep bantering back and forth with the other side and things are going to get better, that's not going to be the thing. We need to find that common connection between both sides and like figure out solutions that can make a difference. Because if we can't figure out this education thing, we're going to have a very, very interesting future ahead of us. That's just me on my soapbox. You don't have to listen. You can if you want. I'm oh, sorry. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like listening to uh, another podcast uh, know, right? at the time. Uh, but yeah. That is water cooler talk, Brian. You, uh, we had very interesting stories today. We had free samples at Costco leads to fight between senior citizens. Man's cheap and rude tipping method goes viral. Fucking Gary. And co- or Greg, no, it's Greg. Greg Feingold. Greg Feingold. What a and dick. colleges asked for a share of future salary in lieu of loans. Brian, what was your favorite story of the day? Honestly, I think the tipping story, and I think the reason why is because again, it is very important to me to be as compassionate and selfless towards other people as I can be. I'm definitely not perfect. Far from it. Very far from it. (laughs) Um, Miles away. But I think it's very important. And that story in particular speaks to that. What I want to say is that I think it is important that people are more compassionate towards each other. They are a little more selfless. They realize that not everyone has an easy life. People struggle. Regardless of whether they struggle or not, people need to be good to each other because we're not here for a long time. And unfortunately, if you are making someone's time here miserable, then you're part of the problem. I think that this, uh, our friend Gregory, Mr. Feingold, I think he is a prime example, unfortunately, of a lot of people who do really cruel things to people for no apparent reason. And I think that that story is important because it speaks volumes about what I think is most important in life, and that is being compassionate towards other people. I just think that's a, it's a clear caricature that this Greg 
fella. It's a, it's a, it's a clear caricature of the kind of person I would never want to be. Would never want to be a condescending jerk off that, you know, makes someone grovel at my feet for their money or for my money. But uh, yeah, I, I just, that to me was a, was a good story because again, that just, it speaks volumes about what I think is really important, which is treating everybody with respect and being a good person. And Greg, if you're out there, you can kiss my, kiss my ass. Brian's coming for you. <laughs> no, but thank you for that response. Yeah. Um, because that everything you said is the epitome of why I do water cooler talk because we were able to have that awesome of a discussion over some guy being kind of a doucher when it comes to tipping. That's right. like the craziest thing. And, you know, I very appreciate you being on the show today, Brian, actor, film lover, director of the next Spy Kids franchise. <laughs> by the way, a very good actor, by the way. You always blow me away with your characters. How uh, Big Shoes to Fill, the Northern Nice production, you were a clown and you were just so into the character. It's I always love seeing actors we I work with actors you work with actors and there's actors that are very like superficial when they come to the table there's like I'm just here to do a part and that's it the thing I love about you is you get into that character you become that character not to like a method point but you very much care about the final product and as a director as a filmmaker that means so much to us like if every actor could be like you that would be everything would be better everything would be better making short films making stuff of that nature would be so much easier so definitely thank you for coming on the podcast today hey it's been my pleasure i'm happy to be here i thank you for your kind words i appreciate that that's part of the fun for me is getting into the part, working with the actors around me and the people around me. I'm always really only as good as the people I'm working with. So I I deeply appreciate that. That really means a lot. Yeah. And you guys, if you guys want to uh, speak with Brian, hang out with him, uh, have dinner with him, he'll he'll pay, he'll pay, he'll tip. <laughs> It'll be a good tip. You can yeah, uh, find me. him on his Facebook. That's the best way to find him, Brian Grossman. If you guys were wondering what you've been listening to for the past almost two hours, almost break the two hour mark, you guys uh -huh. are listening to Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by me your everyone's favorite host in the world adam schultz that's a fact my mom told me that it's a fact <laughs> told me too <laughs> and guest hosted by brian where we take the craziest the weirdest the strangest the most bizarre news stories from across the world and we have quite the conversation about it and you can listen to this episode either on spotify on our network Podbean, or now on Google Podcasts. That's right. If you have an Android, you can listen to Water Cooler Talk anywhere. Brian, what, what's the most craziest place you've ever been in the world? Probably right here, sitting across from you. No, craziest place I've been in the world. Maybe Iceland. Iceland. Honestly, that yeah, was if you're, crazy. If you're, if you're in Iceland, you can listen to Water Cooler Talk yeah. on one of those three uh, one of those three news stations. And if you guys have any comments, uh, if you want to roast Brian in the comments section, you <laughs> can also email that to us at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. Or if you have a local news story of your own that you think is strange and bizarre, email it to us. Send us. We might just feature it here on this old pod. Hey, if you want to roast me, bring it on. I'm ready. It's <laughs> talking to you, All Greg. right, Brian. Well, at the end of every episode, I have the guests close out the show okay. with some talent, maybe a story, maybe some words of wisdom, whatever you think personifies how you want people to remember you. The floor is yours. Bada boom, bada bang. I will honestly close this out with just what I feel to be words of wisdom, and that is to appreciate everything you have in life because there's a lot of people that don't have the same opportunities that you might have. I would say be compassionate towards people 
Now I'm on my soapbox. Be compassionate towards people. Be selfless when you can be selfless. Treat everyone with respect and give everybody a chance. Don't judge a book by its cover. If you see someone sitting alone in the lunchroom, go talk to them. Why not? If you see someone in class kind of being, you know, the outcast, quote unquote, go hang out with them. Why not? I think I would say just be as good of a person as you can be and really try to appreciate everything in life. I think I love movies so much because they kind of take me out of the world I'm in and let me look through a window into another, just another another world. And um, I feel like it makes me, it affects the way I look at things around me. I'm a very sentimental person and a very nostalgic person. I think it's just important to embrace life and the beauty, see the beauty in everything. Wise words from a wise guy. <laughs> from a wise guy. Uh, before we go off the air, I just want to throw out a huge thank you to our listeners from last episode. We finally reached the thousand download uh, goal that we set for ourselves. And we just want to thank you guys for listening, for commenting, for being part of the discussion. That It means the world to me. It's, it's a cool thing to experience, and I'm glad I could experience it along with you guys. But anyways, guys, we will be back next week the bonus political episode talk about some voting we talked about voting in this episode a bit we're going to get more in depth with it with another special guest it's not going to be brian unfortunately we will have you back for another episode somewhere down the line i'd love to but next week's episode will be a brand new guest all right guys i love you i just want to say weird way to say i love you i looked like <laughs> right at you brian and i said i love you i, it's, I meant to my listeners brian hey, I I love to my listeners i love you too <laughs> and i love them except greg except greg screw off greg yeah greg i actually have 14 listeners named greg so i just you just offended half of my listener base hey guys as long as <laughs> as long as all 14 of you tip well you're you're cool with me all right guys we will see you next week at the brand new episode thanks for stopping by this is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real. <laughs> <laughs>